games, the Pittsburgh Penguins are 5-1 on the season and leading the Metropolitan Division. And uh, we're just going to recap a few of the games uh, from the past week, starting with uh, the game against Florida, which was the only loss so far on the season. And uh, Jeff Zadkoff started that game. Final score was uh, Florida 6 and Pittsburgh 3. Yeah, definitely a rough <clears throat> first outing for Zadkoff. Hopefully he can improve on that, though. Yeah, it kind of seems like, I mean, the performance from him wasn't great, letting in six goals, but also the, uh, let me find it here, the shots he faced. Oh, 30 shots. He faced, yeah, 30 shots. So, I mean, like, the team obviously kind of had one of those games where they uh, you know, didn't play defense really well. Yeah. 30 shots is a lot to let on. Really, their trip in Florida they did not play the best defense. Yeah. Yeah, the Penguins always seem to struggle in Florida. They win their fair share of games, but they don't always play the best hockey in Florida. Well, part of the problem is normally whenever they're scheduled to play Florida and Tampa, it's always back-to-back, which can be rough, especially when you're traveling that far. Right. And uh, that brings us to the uh, Tampa Bay game, the very next night, which the Penguins won 5-4. Uh, to four. Um, Crosby had a hat-trick, and uh, Niskanen scored the game-winning goal with, uh, I believe, 18 seconds left in the mm-hmm. third in the third period. So, Yeah, yeah. once again, not the greatest defensive game. Uh, but Pittsburgh was very uh, fast, and they attacked a lot that game, so they were able to put up five goals. They took a lot of bad penalties. They had, they, uh, Tampa Bay had three power plays in the first period. Yeah, which that went both ways, too, uh, really both sides uh, really no excuse for it. it took some bad penalties you know Ryan Malone had that game misconduct which made the, no sense just trying to attack Kobusu after everything was already over and... now, another thing about that was the fight off of the opening face off yeah I have no idea why that happened yeah I've never understood that uh, I have seen before when there's a fight to open the game sometimes the players get tossed uh, that didn't happen this game, luckily, because with all the penalties, they needed Craig Adams. But I just really don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Another uh, item of note about that game is uh, Brooks Orpik scored his first goal in 110, 111 games. 111 games, yeah. yeah. So every once in a while, uh, yeah. <laughs> every once in a while, you'll get a goal out of Brooks Orpik. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no one really expects any offense out of him. Uh, for a while there, though, he was getting at least one goal a year. But he did go all of last season, regular season, without a goal. Well, I mean, they're only... Last season's only half a season, so... Still 111 games. That's quite a span. Right. Okay, uh, also, during that time, um, Bo Bennett was injured that game. Mm-hmm. He's out with a lower body injury. Um, so he's added to the list of Thomas Vokun, James Neal, Matt D'Agostini, and Chris Letang. All still injured. And uh, with the injury to Bennett, the Penguins were called Harry Zolnercheck. And uh, he saw third line duty against the Oilers. Yeah, not a lot of time on ice, 11 minutes. Um 
definitely try to use him in the, the NHL level. Um, really, you know, nothing flashy, which you don't really expect on the third line, but um, the big thing I look for when young players come up is um, just if they look out of place or not. And uh, Zornercheck, you know, he skated well with his line and, um, you know, really no defensive lapses. You know, he really looked like he belonged. Right, yeah. Kind of an energy guy, you know. He was uh, he was even that game, you know. So, didn't seem any glaring mistakes or anything. Yeah, and actually, they only gave up two goals against Edmonton. Uh, still, Penguins didn't look their best. Uh, an interview with Dupuy after the game, he actually said they felt like they were able to steal that win. Um, no one really brought their A game, but uh, I don't know if you want to take anything away from it. Flurry played well, but yeah, they gave up like 15 shots in the second period of that mm-hmm. game. It was all Edmonton during that during that period, but uh, yeah, they got out of it with a win. So yeah. Um, so those were the past three games, and, uh, through, through the six games played so far, uh, the Penguins are first in the Metropolitan Division, and, uh, they're also the only team in the division with a winning record. Yeah, it's been surprising, uh, um, you know, it's nice to be 5-1, and one, but Penguins have not been really tested. Uh, their first game against the team that made the playoffs last year will be on Saturday against Vancouver. And uh, they haven't had as well of a start as some people thought they would. Yeah, Vancouver is um, currently fifth in their division right now. Yeah. So. And Carolina, we're just a bit of an enigma sitting in second in the Metropolitan Division. Now some, you know, Cam Ward's been getting injured a lot lately, and uh, really they just live and die by Eric Stahl. You know, when he plays good, they win. If not, there's not really anyone to step up. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that team has the ability to, uh, I mean, they have the ability to stay in second. I don't know if, if they're ever going to maybe challenge Pittsburgh for the first uh, for the first spot this season, but... They're a team that's better than they're performing right now, so I don't know. Yeah, which Philadelphia, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, they're having a down year, obviously, as are the Rangers. And really, I think uh, the Islanders will finish the season in second place. Um, They're a young team. You know, they had the playoff experience uh, last year, and uh, I just think there's nowhere to go but up for them. Some other stats through six games. Uh, Crosby leads the the league with uh, 12 points. That's five goals and seven assists. And uh, Fleury is currently 5-0. He's got a 1.8 goals against average and a 9.26 save percentage, which uh, it's pretty good to see from him. Mm -hmm. Definitely after the uh, playoff performance. This is uh, confidence building for sure. And... uh, Matt Niskanen leads the team uh, in plus-minus. He's a plus-eight. He's got five points on the season, goal and four assists. I was definitely surprised by that stat, which Niskanen has played very solid. Uh, And then, of course, um, his pairing mate, Rob Scuderi, 
Um, I just can't say enough about him. Just really has made the entire team better by coming on. Um, you know, everyone expects Latang to play with him uh, when he comes back. But really, it'd be hard to demote Niskanen at this point, the way those two are playing. Yeah, I'm coming into this season, I kind of was okay with the idea of trading Niskanen. But, I mean, right now, he's, he's playing pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's not doesn't seem to be ma- making many mistakes or any mistakes that are ending up on the score sheet. So, um, you know, he's kind of an asset to the team right now. Yeah, yeah the only real complaint I hear about Niskanen is his cap hit, which is around $2.3 million. But if he keeps playing the way he is, that's, you know, not that bad. Right. Uh, some other team stats right now. Uh, Tanner Glass leads the team in penalty minutes with 12. And uh, ten of those minutes are for two fighting majors. So, pretty effective. Uh, not like he's taken a lot of bad penalties. Uh, yeah, it's always frustrating when the fourth line takes bad penalties. So, And, you know, when there's a fighting major, it takes someone else off the ice for five minutes. And uh, as long as there's no instigator, it doesn't lead to a power play. Um, so Glass has really been a good role player so far. Yeah, he's been a lot more effective than he was the entire last season. So it's nice to have him yeah. show up in a good way. And he's been hitting more. Yeah. And um, just some other notes about the team, I guess. Uh, Bortuzzo was scratched the last two games against uh, Tampa Bay and um, Edmonton in favor of Derek Engeland. And through those two games, Derek Engeland has zero points, zero penalty minutes, and is a minus two. I mean, I don't know. That's not great, but that's not awful. It could be worse. Yeah, yeah. the thing that really sticks out to me is the zero penalty minutes, uh, so hopefully maturing a little bit. Um, you know, with Latang still being injured, most people are figuring uh, Matt will be uh, sent back to his junior club. Uh, so I think this was more just get to get Engel in some playing time because him and Bortuzzo, I believe, will be seeing a lot of playing time this season. True. And uh, speaking of Olimata, uh, he's played all six games so far. He's got uh, two assists, he's got two penalty minutes, and is a minus two, which isn't bad for, uh, for a 19-year-old yeah. yeah. first-timer. Yeah, it's really hard to criticize Matt much, but... You know, with everyone else they have on the blue line, um, you know, you don't want to keep Olimata after that 10-game tryout and then have him ride the bench for, you know, maybe even this entire second half of the season. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense <coughs> sense for him to, uh, you know, his playing uh, progression to just uh, have him sit on the shelf and, and practice but not uh, be in any game situations. And uh, through... Six games of players that have played all six games, the Penguins only have two players that are a minus. Brooks Orpik, minus one, and uh, Olimata at minus two. And um, what that is, for those of you who don't know, the plus minus is um, if you're on the ice for your team's goal, you get a you get a plus. If you're on the ice for an opposing team's goal, you get a minus. Now, the power play you don't get pluses, and if you're on the ice on the penalty kill, you don't get minuses. So this is kind of an even strength indicator um, 
of whether you're on the ice for a goal or not. So it's kind of a defensive, uh, defensive indicator. And that's pretty good compared to most of the other teams in the uh, Metropolitan Division uh, have a lot of minuses on their team. Yeah. Um, the Penguins have been scoring a lot more goals than anyone else in the division, um, so that kind of helps their stats. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, so the next game on Thursday is going to be against uh, Philadelphia, which is the worst team in the league right now. Yeah, I know a lot of people will be excited about this because it is a rivalry, but Philadelphia has just done something I don't understand. Uh, Their coach, as most of you have probably heard by now, Peter Laviolette, has been fired. Um, He was fired, what, three games in? I think three games in. Yeah, around three games into the season. And what we've been hearing so far is Laviolette was obviously on the hot seat after missing the playoffs last year, but they were giving him another chance at going through camp, going through the preseason to try and turn things around. Now... Philadelphia front office was not happy with how things went, so they let Laviolette go. But it feels like a wasted season now. You go through all of this with one coach and then dismiss him so early in the season. You know, where are they supposed to go? You know, like as a player, you know, what can be going through your mind right now? Yeah, it's just... It's so confusing. Like, three games three games is not a season like it's not really a good indicator of anything mm-hmm. plus they just promoted their assistant coach Craig Berube to head coach so it's not like they even they didn't really bring anyone else in they didn't apparently want a change of direction because they even said that they don't need a change of direction they just wanted a different guy to be in charge I guess so yeah, I, unless something happens, uh, Philadelphia is probably just going to languish in the bottom of the division all season long. Yeah, yeah, it's just something that's tough to turn around from. And you just wonder, you know, they obviously knew going into the season that Lafayette was going to be on such a short leash, you know. It, you know, it's something that should have been done over the off season. Yeah, or at least, I mean, the off season would have been better, but at least mid-season. You don't, like, yeah. that's such a stupid move, three games in. Yeah, it's almost just like you're throwing up your hands and saying, I give up. <laughs> We're speaking of which, Paul Holmgren, uh, the moves he has made in the past few years, um, you know, everyone's looking for him to be fired at the end of the season. Um, they definitely need to, you know, Need a change of leadership, try and go in a different direction. Yep. So some more info on the Flyers, because the Penguins will be playing them on Thursday. Um, like I said, the record, 1-6. and six. Um, They have 10 goals for and 20 goals against, while the Penguins have 23 goals for and 15 goals against. So... Flyers are producing about half of what they're letting in. And uh, I mentioned plus-minus earlier. There are five players on Philadelphia that are leading their team 
with a zero. No one has positive numbers on that team. Zero is the highest they have. So that's pretty astounding. And then the goalie numbers are pretty atrocious right now. Uh, Ray Emery's played two games. He has a 4.03 goals against average. And uh, Steve Mason with five. It's a little better, but it's it's 2.23 goals against. So the numbers aren't too bad for Mason. Uh, 0.926 save percentage. Uh, this is actually the lowest paid goaltending uh, duo in the league. Um, you know, Philadelphia did buy out Ilya Brizgalov in the off season. Uh, you know, Emery is what he is. You know, he's a career backup. He's the guy that's not going to start a whole lot of games for you. Um, you know, maybe around 15. Uh, Steve Mason, um, you know, not a bad goalie. You know, his numbers aren't looking too bad now. Um, a lot of it's just going to depend on how well his team plays in front of him to see how he does this year. Part part of the reason that his save percentage is still a 92 is because the Flyers are letting in an obscene amount of shots. Um right around 30, 31 shots a game. So, I mean, without any goal support, anyone's going to have a bad record if they're the goalie. But, uh, yeah, they've 212 shots in seven games, so that's about 30 a game. Uh, Pittsburgh has 152 shots, allowed 152 shots in six games, uh, about 25 per game. So, uh, kind of shows that Pittsburgh's a bit more defensive-minded, or at least just better at playing defense than uh, than the Flyers have been. Yeah, if you look at the better goalies in the league, uh, you know, guys like Tuka Rask, uh, you know, get all the accolades. Um, he faces around 20 shots a game. He's, he plays in the heavily defensive system. If you look at uh, Martin Brodeur over the years, you know, really facing minimal shots, and so that's really just going to hurt their goalies as the season progresses. Yeah, the more the more that you can insulate a goaltender, the better their numbers are and the better shot you have winning, and uh, Philadelphia is not doing that so far. Uh, but that's not their style. So then on Saturday, the Penguins will be facing the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, and this will actually be the first team uh, Pittsburgh will play that was in the playoffs last year. And, uh, you know, they're fifth right now in their division, four and three, so not a terrible record. That might be the only team with a winning record so far that, they, that, that the Penguins true. are facing. Yep. So, um, oh, they have a new coach, John Tortorella. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Interesting to see what he does. He's got a very specific style. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, you know, the Canada market, you know, hockey is big, obviously. Uh, so to see how that relationship goes with Tortorella and the media, <laughs> as well as with uh, Roberto Luongo. Um, you know, Luongo signed a major deal, and then just two years into it, uh, kind of fell out of favor with management. Um He's actually shopped around for the better part of a season before 
it was realized that no one was going to take on his contract, so they had to move uh, Corey Schneider instead. Um, so just be interesting to see what kind of relationship develops and see if Luongo can get back to his game. Yeah, I mean, he's he was questioned, I guess. His his status was questioned as, as the, uh, you know, as the main guy there in uh, in Vancouver last season, but right now he's definitely their starter. He's got six out of the seven games. He's got about a eight nine nine save percentage. So, I mean, it's not like he's not the Roberto Luongo that he used to be, but uh, he's still at this point the man in Vancouver. So, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how he reacts on Saturday. You would assume that they would start Luongo against the Penguins. So Yeah. So that is the uh, immediate two games. And then talking about um, Penguins being tested, uh, look off a little bit. Uh, next Monday they'll be playing the Colorado Avalanche, who are actually undefeated as of now, uh, which has been pretty amazing to me. You know, Patrick Waugh, you know, the all-star goalie has come in and just really turned it around. Very, I don't think anyone really expected it. He's done a good job. And then uh, next weekend, they'll have a back-to-back against the New York Islanders and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and I think with those games, will be a better test to see where the Penguins stand. Yeah, yeah. Because that'll be an interesting, that'll be an interesting uh, back-to-back to see which game Zatkoff gets as to which game Flurry gets, or would you just start Flurry for both games? Because right now the Islanders aren't doing so hot, and uh, Toronto is actually leading their division. But as far as firepower is concerned, you've got Tavares on the Islanders and uh, Phil Kessel on the Maple Leafs. So. Um, just kind of uh, kind of a pick your poison situation because both of those clubs can can manufacture offense, but who do you want who do you want going up against whom? I guess. Yeah, well, I don't think you're gonna see back to back. I mean, if the Penguins really wanted to, they could ride Flurry through the season, and I feel like he would do well. You just don't want him to get tired come playoff time, though. Uh, you know, Scherer has said they're looking at options at goalie. Um, really haven't heard much on that front as of yet. Um, really looking at Zadkoff, his numbers last year in Wilkes-Barre weren't that good. Um, you know, no one expects him to be playing NHL minutes right now, but that's where we are, and, you know, it's too early in the season to just try and ride one goalie, so you have to give him another shot and see what he can do. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one performance, you know, it's a little premature to judge someone on one performance, especially when the team kind of collectively had a bad game against Florida. So uh, hopefully, you know, whenever he plays, it's not a situation where the team kind of uh, doesn't show up for him again. So I guess we'll have to wait and see there. Um, But I am reminded about a conversation we had the other day about superstars who turn into coaches. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about Patrick Waugh in, Ala- in uh, 
for the Avalanche in Colorado. And uh, most, like, Wayne Gretzky, one, you know, greatest player ever. Yeah. Came on as a head coach for Phoenix. Not a very good coach. Of course, he was also coach of the Phoenix Coyotes, so that probably had something to do with it. But I was thinking that as a goalie, why had the ability as a player to kind of watch the game unfold before him, you know, and maybe that experience is led to better better ideas of coaching. Yeah, and it makes sense. Uh, his hockey vision might even be better than someone as Gretzky, you know, as far as talent goes in execution. Um, just because where Gretzky was always in the midst, midst of it, uh, Waugh got to see the rest of his team play, yeah. and uh, you know, that very well could have helped him. Kind of see the system in action mm-hmm. instead of being part of it. So that's just kind of you know a debate on whether you know former, former superstars make good coaches. Because Dan Bilesmo was you know, a third or fourth liner, as was uh, Granado. As was Tony Granado. Um, you know, uh, Michelle Terrian, I don't think, even played in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Adam Oates for Washington, he wasn't a superstar per se. I mean, he was, yeah. you know, kind of a grinder. And Patrick Waugh is a very vocal guy, so uh, I'm. <laughs> Kind of hoping Colorado does make the playoffs because he'll be an interesting guy to watch. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's for sure. That's probably going to be the toughest game the Penguins have uh, this month. Um, also, another, another train of thought was that um, they played England those past two games because maybe they're looking to trade him. What do you think about that? I just don't think it's a good idea at this point. Um, I mean, I know we saw Ben Lovejoy get moved uh, basically as a courtesy to him because it was obviously um, he wasn't going to be in the top six. Um, but with it still looking like Mata is going to go back to his junior club and then the injury with Latang, you'd want to keep him. And even when Latang gets back, um, I know for years the Penguins only carried six defensemen on their roster and then just called someone up if needed. But I do like the idea of having a seventh defenseman travel with the team. And I think Englund and Bortuzzo, they're just good, you know, six, seven kind of guy to have. You know, nothing flashy, but um, in most cases will not hurt the team. Mm. Yeah, I'm, it's, yeah, it makes sense to have, a, to have someone just kind of with the team. And some of that might depend on uh, how the team feels about Simone Dupre. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to make the club out of training camp, and he's playing in Wilkes-Barre right now. Um, so there might be the thought there that they'll just call him up as needed since he doesn't have to pass through waivers. I mean, it also depends on how the club actually feels about uh, Mata because, I mean, what we're – what we're hearing now is just speculation from other fans. I mean, mm-hmm. just because 
just because other people think that they're going to send him back doesn't mean that, you know, Shero and Biles will feel that he should be sent back. I mean, if they do end up keeping him with the big club, then maybe they do look to trade someone like England or, you know, wave him or something. Yeah. So, looks like we'll have to wait three or four more games uh, to find out the fate of Olimata. Yeah, and the reason the speculation is this way is it just takes longer for defensemen to develop. So, you know, just everyone figures it would be a good idea to get him out of experience and then send him down. Um, but who knows, maybe they are really thinking about keeping him. I believe that's what they did with Chris Letang. They gave him a, the full yeah. nine-game tryout or ten-game tryout and then mm-hmm. sent him back down yeah. to his junior club his first year. So. Yeah. And then, actually, people were thinking he would stay um, because of his offense, the offensive de- the ability. But, of course, his uh, defensive prowess was really lacking then. Yeah, yeah. So that's just uh, something to uh, to keep in mind and, and watch for in the coming... Really, the coming week, I guess, mm-hmm. should be decided by probably the 27th or 28th. Yeah. So, I guess we'll just have to uh, stay tuned and find out. But uh, that looks like um, all that we have for today. So, uh, see you next time.